is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Ratcliffe, and it is Friday, June 18th. And it's time to preview the Dallas Cowboys for 2021 fantasy football purposes. Before I dive into that, though, uh, just a reminder, we do have a contest going on, and it's really easy to enter. The contest, all you have to do is review this podcast on Apple iTunes. Even if you don't listen to it there, review it there, rate it, and in your review, leave your Twitter handle, and you're entered in to win a free Rant t-shirt with the uh, podcast logo. These things are pretty awesome. I have one, and honestly, like, obviously people don't know what the darn podcast is Like when I'm out and about wearing the shirt, but I do get comments on it. So, hey, maybe you'll get comments as well. Uh, And if you want to purchase one of those shirts, sawdustpods.com. And you can check out our merch section over there at the website. All right, so let's dive into the Dallas Cowboys. Last year, got off to an incredible start with Dak Prescott on a historic pace. I mean, you know, granted, it was only four and a half games, basically, that he played. But over that span of time, he was on pace to potentially break the single-season passing yards mark. Uh, and obviously we'll never know if that happened. Uh, hey, man, Russell Wilson at one point was was on pace to break the passing touchdown mark, and he, I mean, he finished with 40, which is a lot. It's a man, but he didn't break the record. So obviously, you know, we'll never know with Dak, but the first month was incredible. And I'll tell you what, when I project him out, it's healthy. And he's healthy, and I think that's the most important thing with Dak Prescott. Obviously a devastating injury, but unlike What we saw with Alex Smith, you know, he was fortunate that he wasn't, he was playing where he was because Alex Smith dealt with the infection, you know, partially from playing outdoors. Prescott didn't have that. So that was at least a good thing, but it was such a devastating injury, but he's good to go. And he said as much, he said it's out of his mind as well. So almost 4,900 yards, which is a lot over 30 passing touchdowns. Anytime I project a guy over 30 passing touchdowns. It's a lot. And Dak, as has been the theme of some of these recent pods here, is a modern fantasy quarterback. He is capable of throwing, obviously, but he adds so much extra with his legs. Have him projected at 63 rushing attempts, 300 rushing yards, 4.4 rushing touchdowns, and again to the uninitiated, that .4 just means there's a 40% chance of him scoring an additional touchdown he projects out as the number four fantasy quarterback that is exactly where I'm ranking him it is Mahomes it is Allen it is Murray it is Prescott and there's not that big of a gap between Murray and Prescott so he's right there in the mix and a big part of the advantage for Dak Prescott is really this trio that is the best trio of wide receivers in the NFL they you can't match this Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup is your third. Michael Gallup could be a second on a lot of rosters. He's your third wideout. We saw last year CeeDee hit the the ground running. You know, largely, it's unfortunate because his season was overshadowed by Justin Jefferson. You know, Justin Jefferson had a historically good rookie season. But CeeDee Lamb put up 74 catches for 935 and five touchdowns. Now, it's not enormous numbers again way overshadowed by Justin Jefferson but we really can't overstate how difficult it is for a rookie to go up over a thousand yards at, at wide receiver it started it has it has happened more you know over the last decade than we saw throughout the history of the league but it's still 
a very difficult threshold to pass for these guys. I do think he tops it this year. In fact, I'm projecting him at 1,034 uh, yards and uh, 76 catches, 6.4 touchdowns. So, you know, right there. Uh, He's right with Amari Cooper. Now, I do think Cooper has more receptions, but the thing about Cooper that I do think we'll see a lot of is low A dot. So he's not going to be targeted very heavily down the field. I do have him clearly leading the team in targets. 135 targets for him, 115 for Lamb, 87 for Gallup. And that would mean, you know, more catches. But, you know, with Cooper, 93 catches is very healthy. 1,100 yards for him. And he's right there with Lamb in terms of touchdowns. So there's not a big gap between the two. Gun to my head, have to choose one. I am choosing Cooper, but it's so close. It should also be noted that Cooper is currently dealing with an ankle injury, and the report was that he should be ready by camp. So when you do that math, camp is what, five, six weeks away, basically, as I'm recording this here in mid-June. That's a high ankle sprain. That's what that is. If it was a low ankle sprain, it'd be no worry, barely even be news. So it is something well, I, I hey, if he's going to have a high ankle sprain, do it now, right? Don't do it in the middle of the season. But we're going to have to monitor that. And we'd adjust accordingly. Lamb would obviously benefit the most. I think a question that should be asked, though, as well, is is this the year that Lamb passes Cooper? Because eventually that's going to happen. Now, Cooper is not an old wide receiver. You know, Cooper has been in the league for a long time, but he came into the league so young that I don't think we're kind of at that that Calvin Ridley Julio Jones inflection point at, at, at this you know at this particular time Cooper's only 27 years old you know I don't think we're quite there and and it can be a one in one a situation now Gallup is decidedly the third and Gallup is the type of player watch he will have one or two monster games but good luck predicting exactly when they happen. He's the type of player who's going to win people million-dollar contests on DraftKings this year, but good luck predicting when it's going to happen. I'm viewing him as a wide receiver four. Cooper, borderline wide receiver one. Lamb's almost a borderline wide receiver one. He's a front-end wide receiver two for me. But Gallup's a little bit more volatile. He does have a lot of value, however, if one of these two guys gets hurt, Cooper or Lamb. Beyond that, you get you do have Noah Brown who will mix in a little bit. Maybe Simi Fahoko, the rookie, but that's about it at wide receiver. Uh, so, of course, the other big name here on this roster is Ezekiel Elliott. So let's take a break, and then when we come back, we will talk the Dallas Cowboys running backs. All right, so the Dallas Cowboys backfield is a very interesting backfield for fantasy football purposes. Like Prescott, Zeke got out to a really hot start last year, and I think that's kind of flying under the radar. He was the number two fantasy running back over the first month of the season, getting a heavy usage in the red zone. And like the rest of the Cowboys, that sort of faded as the season went on, obviously dealing with the quarterback situation that they had. It's completely understandable, but we also did see the team mix in Tony Pollard a little bit more. Now, I don't expect a full-blown committee. In fact, I'm projecting Elliott at a healthy 267 carries and a healthy 53 catches. Those are big numbers right there, well up over 300 touches. And, you know, for, for Pollard's sake, 106 carries, 27 catches. 
So he's decidedly a backup running back, and and I do think that's how this thing shakes out. I don't think it's a full-blown committee. Now, the thing about Elliott that we do need to always consider is he is in some ways a love-to-hate, and if you don't know what a love-to-hate is, if you're new to the podcast, a love-to-hate is a player that no matter what they do, fantasy players are are not going to like them. You know, like the quintessentials in recent history, like Mike Evans emerged as a bit of a love to hate. Odell Beckham Jr. seems to be a love to hate. Cam Newton, for a good chunk of his career, has been a love to hate. And sometimes the hate is justified. Don't get me wrong. But it's one of those things like if he goes out and has a good game, the fantasy masses who love to hate him will say, oh, yeah, but he's going to stink next week. And then if he does have a bad game, they say, see, I told you. Right. Elliot's kind of in that territory, which we can use to our advantage. If he sees this sort of volume, especially in the red zone, he may not be the most efficient back. In fact, last year only averaged four yards per carry. That that rate, I, I mean, anywhere four to four point five per carry is about where I'd expect him to be. I know that's slight, slight, slightly a wide range, but let's call it four point two five yards per carry. All right, split the difference there. Not super efficient, but if he gets red zone work like we saw last year, he's going to score what eight. 9, 10 rushing touchdowns, potentially even more. That's on an average. I haven't projected at 9. That's really valuable. So I, I think Elliott, there's a strong case to be made for him uh, you know, as a top 6 option at the position where I don't think a lot of people are going to value him in that range. And that means ultimately that for our purposes, we may end up getting him uh, at a reasonable value at the back end of the first round. I do think that's where he's going to go uh, in in most redraft leagues. So you we can take advantage of the I'm not going to draft him again type uh, mindset that is, you know, obviously pervasive with certain players. Right now, I am ranking him at seven. Uh, so here's my current rankings at running back. McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Barkley, Henry, Taylor, Elliott. If he's seven, then for me, he should be the seventh overall pick. But he probably won't be. I think some people will have Nick Chubb ahead of him. I have seen Cam Akers go ahead of him. I've seen Travis Kelsey go ahead of him. So you may actually get him at, like I said, you're not going to get much value in the first round, but you might get him at half a value there in the back half of the first round. Uh, there are very few uh, handcuffs in the NFL who have as as, as much appeal as, as Tony Pollard. He has a premium handcuff, and he may have a little bit of independent value. I don't want to go too overboard with him, but he is going to be a middle-round guy who's going to come off the board. I currently rank him just outside the RB3s, by the way. So it's not only the actual value, but there's so much implied value with him. If something did happen to Elliott, then Pollard is, you know, Pollard's off to the races. And something to note about Elliott, this is his sixth year in the league. That's a lot for an NFL running back, especially an NFL running back who has top 300 carries uh, in three of five seasons. The other two seasons, he had 242 in 10 games, so he was off the races there, and uh, then 244 last year. So that's a lot of wear and tear, over over 1,400 carries. It's 14-13 to be precise. So I don't want to rule that out. So there is certainly a lot of appeal there with Tony Pollard. Even if you don't roster Elliott, you could still roster Pollard. And, and that's the old naked handcuff uh, where you actually don't have the 
the actual starter, but you take the handcuff because of the implied value. Um, let's move over to tight end. So last year was supposed to be a Blake Jarwin breakout year, and it was a Blake Jarwin injury year. So in large part, a red shirt uh, for Jarwin. And we saw Dalton Schultz go out and do a reasonably good job. A, a bit of a surprise there out of Dalton Schultz last season. I don't think anybody really expected him to be that heavily involved, especially given the quarterback situation. But the dude caught 63 balls for 615. Only four touchdowns, but still, that's solid. However, one would think that Blake Jarwin, I'm Blake Jarwin's the more, um, you know, more ideal pass catching tight end. The challenge, though, is that Schultz is still going to be used. So right now I have Jarwin seeing 68 targets, 48 for Schultz. Jarwin, 49 catches, 34 for Schultz. So unfortunately, the presence of Schultz does put a cap on Jarwin. He does, however, project out as a top 20 guy. If I look at projections, I have him at 18, and that's exactly where I'm ranking him right now, at 18. So, I mean, he's draftable, but he is certainly a 3-for-32 type, and I don't know if uh, if that's exactly what you're looking for here, especially a guy in a quasi-committee. Maybe he has four touchdowns. I'm projecting him at 3.5 right now. So, in a best-case scenario, you're looking at maybe 50 catches. Again, that's about three per game, you know, 500-ish yards. 32 per game, you know, it's a frustrating thing with that type of uh, tight end. So something to think about if you were considering Blake Jarwin. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. To all the dads out there, happy Father's Day this weekend. Uh, We'll be back on Monday with another edition of the pod where I will break down the Denver Broncos. Man, I love this group of skill position players. Youth, upside, love it. They do have a problem at quarterback, though. Uh, In the meantime, make sure you're following along on Twitter at Jeff Ratcliffe and at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram. Head on over to FTNFantasy.com if you want to see rankings and projections from yours truly as well. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe. You know what? I'm out of here.